0: They showed openness when they invited Starfleet to visit their world 75 years ago, leading to Admiral McCoy's first contact encounter with them. On the other hand, they have asked all Federation personnel to leave their world on four previous occasions, never extending an explanation. Drake, the tall, red-haired captain of the Zapata, nodded sagely. Of course, none of the other periods of isolation lasted more than a standard month until now. Harmon, a thin, dark-haired woman who'd made a career out of conflict mediation, leaned forward. That's true, Captain. There is no precedent for an isolationist period of this duration in our experience with the Stug. McCoy sighed. In his day, he had watched Starship Captain size up a problem in an instant. He would not let this charade go on another minute. Why don't we just go to the Stug Capital, beam down, and ask them why they've cut off relations with us? An embarrassed silence descended over the room. When Drake broke it, he spoke to McCoy patronizingly. An interesting idea, Admiral. Has your experience with the Stug provided any insight into why that might be successful? The Admiral made no effort to match the Captain's soft, polite tone. My experience as a Starfleet officer for over 100 years has been that one should never overlook the obvious. Captain, there's a Priority One message for Admiral McCoy from Starfleet Command. McCoy felt a chill. Someone's died, he thought. Drake touched him on the shoulder. You can take it in my ready room, Admiral. McCoy nodded, exiting the conference room. He couldn't shake his sense of dread. At 145, his main regret was that he'd lived to see so many friends kick the bucket. Entering the captain's ready room, he allowed himself to be guided around Drake's desk. The captain offered him a seat, but he waved it away, preferring to stand. He watched Drake exit, then turned his attention to the desktop monitor. Computer, relay message for McCoy. Leonard H., Admiral, to this station. Without delay, the small screen in front of him produced an image of Admiral Keaton. Keaton was highly placed in Starfleet security. Whatever this was about, it was important. Admiral McCoy, I'll get right to the point. I have bad news. It appears your former colleague and friend, Ambassador Spock... McCoy finished the sentence for her. Has been killed. How did it happen? The Admiral shot him a quizzical look before she spoke again. No, Admiral McCoy, you misunderstand. To the best of our knowledge, Ambassador Spock is still alive. That, in fact, is the problem. McCoy felt a tide of relief wash over him. What do you mean, that's the problem? Ambassador Spock has been on the planet Romulus for a while now. He's working with a small group of Romulan insurgents called Unificationists who are seeking a reconciliation with the planet Vulcan. However, he and several other Unificationists were taken prisoner recently on one of the Romulan outworlds, a place called Constantus taken prisoner, eh? Do the Romulans know who they've got? Apparently not. However, if they find out, we're facing a security breach that could be a most serious threat to the Federation. The implications of Spock's capture were quite clear to McCoy. As an admiral, he'd learned more about Federation security than he'd ever wanted to know. What's the plan to get him out? We're dispatching a galaxy-class vessel to the Romulan neutral zone, admiral. We'd like you to go along as an expert on Ambassador Spock. No one alive knows him better than you do. McCoy was surprised. But the more he thought about it, the more sense it made. He nodded.
1: So what's the name of
0: this galaxy-class ship? Keaton paused for a moment as if she were delivering important news. It's the Enterprise. (laughs) summary Scott was sleeping when the computer woke him. Rising, he saw that it had picked up a priority one communication heavily encrypted, and it had contained one of the subjects he'd programmed the computer to flag. The engineer waited to see if the Goddard would be able to decode it with the help of the circuits he'd added for just that purpose. After all, Starfleet didn't fool around when it came to security. After a long moment, the message came through. At first, It brought a smile to Scotty's face to see McCoy again on his monitor, but the feeling faded quickly when he heard the news from Admiral Keaton. Spock was in danger, grave danger. Even if the Romulans never found out the Vulcan's identity, Romulan justice was swift and sure, and in the Empire there was only one punishment for treason. What's more... The Federation was in a difficult position. It couldn't launch a full-scale attack to retrieve one man. A smaller-scale rescue would have a better chance, but not much. And when the Romulans discovered it, they'd be merciless. In the old days, Scotty had believed that anything was possible. But he was alone now, in a solitary shuttle with none of the backup he'd enjoyed in his miracle-worker days. This time, there was no hope, none at all, unless checking the navigational computer he saw that he could cover the distance in a reasonable time possibly even quickly enough to save Spock but there were too many variables too many things Scotty didn't know and couldn't plan for he quit that line of thinking deeming it unproductive then he reset his shuttle's course Starbase 178 and what he needed were 12 hours away and he had a lot of work to do before he arrived Captain Jean-Luc Picard shifted uncomfortably in his ready-room seat. The monitor in front of him displayed the long, weather-worn face of Starfleet Commodore Edric. There's no easy way to say this, Captain. It's Ambassador Spock. He's been captured with a group of unificationists on one of the Romulan Empire's outer worlds. A place called Constantius. Literally, crossover for its position halfway between Romulus and the Neutral Zone. Picard's mouth went dry. Spock. Do they know who he is? Edric shook his head. Not yet. So time is of the essence. That's why we're dispatching a consultant to help you. Someone who knows Spock like the back of his hand. You may have heard of him. His name is McCoy. Admiral Leonard McCoy. Picard nodded. I know who he is, and I know his relationship to Spock. Better than anyone could possibly guess, Picard mused. Edric seemed happy that he didn't have to go into a long briefing on McCoy. Then our business is finished, Captain. I'm forwarding the rendezvous coordinates and formal orders to your ship. Good luck, Jean-Luc. With that, Edric disappeared from the monitor screen. The Captain sighed. Once before, he had traveled into the Romulan Empire to find Spock. But then, the Vulcan had been free. Now he was a prisoner of the Romulan Empire, a different matter entirely. Scotty had barely landed the Goddard at Starbase 178 when he found himself rushing to catch the Starship Tour, An Ensign Hammond greeted him at the lower shuttle deck. On the ride out, seated among 19 other tourists, Scotty took a moment to appreciate the spectacle of the Yorktown, a Constitution-class ship just like his beloved Enterprise. Unfortunately, he didn't get a very long look at her. Before he knew it, they were gliding into the old girl's shuttle bay where Hammond launched into a well-rehearsed speech. Welcome to the Constitution-class starship USS Yorktown registry, NCC 1717. This vessel was built 120 years ago at the San Francisco shipyard above Earth. In its day, the Yorktown and its 11 sister ships were the most advanced Federation vessels in space. The ensign pointed out the shuttle door. If you'll follow me into the shuttle bay, will explore its museum, which includes artifacts collected from the voyages of the Constitution-class starships. If you're curious about anything, feel free to ask the ship's computer. Now, let's begin our starship adventure. Scotty was among the last to exit the shuttle. Making his way to a display case, he found the device he was looking for. About a meter in height, it consisted of two circular sections. He tapped the intercom pad next to the display. Computer, is this the original Romulan cloaking device retrieved by the Enterprise on Stardate 5027.3? Yes, it is. Thank you for your interest, and enjoy your starship adventure on the USS Yorktown. Scotty nodded. So far, so good. Computer, is the unit operational? Has it been modified in any way? The Romulan cloaking device is fully functional and has been restored to its original specifications. Thank you for your inquiry and enjoy your starship adventure on the USS Yorktown. Well, that's it then, Scotty thought. Suddenly, he realized he wasn't alone in front of the exhibit. Turning, he saw the face of a young boy. The lad pointed to the cloaking device. A ship like this stole that cloak from the Romulans, you know? The starship got chased by three Romulan battlecruisers when it tried to get away. Man, that must have been something. Scotty waited until the boy's attention was drawn elsewhere, then nodded. Aye, lad, it was. Their first stops were at the cargo and recreational areas in the lower decks. En route, Scotty could feel a vibration through the deck floors. The warp engines were online, he noted. When they reached the engineering deck, Scotty felt his throat constrict with nostalgia, but he kept his mind on his task. While the others were marveling at the engine core, Scotty discreetly headed for auxiliary control and seated himself behind the console. Then he quietly obtained access to the ship's engineering functions. His first task was to change the codes to restrict access. Then he began a minor overload in the warp engine. Abruptly, he was interrupted by Ensign Hammond. We're moving on, Captain Scott. The engineer nodded. He endured the remainder of the tour, but it was a blur to him. He was too preoccupied with his plan. It was almost an hour later that the tour got on a turbolift headed for the bridge. He couldn't afford to have his time cut short this time. So when the turbolift door opened, Scotty emerged before anyone else intent on his objective. Taking a seat at the engineering console, he quickly accessed the engines, then increased the rate of the overload. It would only be a few moments now. Turning his attention to the rest of the group, Scotty saw Ensign Hammond explaining modular bridge design to the other tourists. Her lecture was interrupted when warning lights went off at most of the bridge stations. Hammond here? The Ensign was instructed to go to the communications station. Once there, she picked up an earpiece and listened to a private message. When she returned to the group, she was all business. I'm afraid we'll have to be getting back to the starbase now. There's a minor malfunction in the life support system. It's nothing to worry about, but I've been asked to evacuate the ship so maintenance crews can make repairs. She gestured toward the turbolift. If you will please enter five at a time, the lift will take you directly to the shuttle bay. As the first group entered, Scotty took the ensign aside. Is there anything I can do, lass? Hammond sighed. There's a fluctuation in the warp engine and the base is having trouble accessing the Yorktown's systems, but it's probably nothing. Scott shrugged. Perhaps I could take a look at the engines for you. Hammond smiled. No thank you, sir. Only base personnel are allowed to perform repairs. Sighing, Scotty followed the ensign into a turbolift. All during the ride, he wondered how he would separate himself from her. Nothing certain came to mind As they walked out onto the shuttle deck The ship's computer began announcing yellow alert It was an automatic response to the overload Suddenly, the boy Scotty had met earlier Threw the all a curve Without warning, he broke and headed for the shuttle bay doors It's the Romulans! I want to see! Hammond looked up at Scott, stricken He held up his hand I'll get it for you, lass Just get the shuttle ready it wasn't easy to catch the lad, but Scotty knew the corridors better than he did. After a couple of minutes, he caught sight of the youngster in front of a turbo lift and commanded him to halt. Reluctantly, the boy obeyed. But Scotty wasn't angry, not in the least. By then, he realized what an opportunity he'd been handed. Grabbing the youngster's arm, Scotty directed him into a turbo lift. The boy looked at him as if he were insane. Where are we going? Scotty touched the lift's command pad. The transport room lad.